0: Good morning. Welcome to worship this morning. We're so glad that you have joined us uh, joined us for worship here at Central Baptist Church. On this cold morning, we're glad that you have made it out so that we can be together this morning uh, to worship. Um, if uh, you've been here for decades or if this is your first time here, we want you to know that your presence is a blessing to us and we are so glad that you have joined us. You will find friendship pads in the pews beside you. We'd invite you to take one of those and to fill that out with any information that you'd like to provide. It's a way for us to get to know each other a little better here as we pass uh, the friendship pads down the rows and maybe greet one another uh, a little bit later during the pe- passing of the piece. Um, a couple of weeks ago uh, in my, my other job, I have a very, very, very part-time job I do once a week and I work remotely with, uh, with a friend uh, in, uh, in San Diego and we do some uh, some, uh, some web development work there and uh, with another company and uh, and I've kept the job for a while and I enjoy doing that on, on Fridays uh, with, with, with him. Uh, it's a good uh, team up because I do some of the front-end work and I come at it from a design perspective and he comes at it from a very uh, more in-depth programming perspective as well uh, and a few weeks ago I got into a place where I was way out of my depth and wasn't sure exactly what was going on. And I had spent hours and hours working on this project and was a little ashamed to come back and say, I've only gotten this far on it. And uh, rather than get flustered and upset about it, what I love is that he says, oh, well, this sounds interesting. Let's get into this and so we fired up a session and we're programming over the interwebs with each other across time and space and uh I could watch and see what he did, and whereas I would have a tendency to say, "Well, let's Google this and find out what's going on." He would delve a little deeper into the problem and say, "Ooh, look at this," and ooh, that's interesting and uh Rather than get upset and worried about it and ashamed of not being able to do this, he let this difficulties pique his curiosity. And I wonder sometimes, is that, not the, is that not the way that God comes to us and treats us with that same love and concern and interest that even in our struggles, even in our difficulties, even in our problems, God is interested. God is okay. God is not flustered or worried about our hang-ups and our mess-ups and our mistakes, but rather sees this as opportunity to identify with us, to learn, to help us to grow, and to help us to find new and interesting and creative ways uh, to bring light and peace into this world around us. So this morning as we celebrate this beautiful God who welcomes us all just as we are, uh, let's remember that grace that is here for all of us this morning. Let's worship.
1: Join us in the call to Advent. The wilderness shall be glad and the desert shall bloom. Blossom,
2: sorry. All flesh will see God's majesty and glory.
1: You with weak hands, God will strengthen you.
2: You who are fearful, take heart.
1: For behold, God is coming to save the faithful. They will
2: attain joy and gladness His sorrow and sign shall flee away.
1: Let us rejoice and sing.
2: For our God is approaching and our salvation draws near.
0: Join me as we pray together. Light of God, you shine in every corner, every nook and cranny of this broken world. You shimmer, waiting for us to notice. You shine in darkened alleyways and swarming city streets. You shine in windswept fields and mountain streams. You linger next to hospital beds and burst forth in convenience store aisles. You gleam on winding country lanes and spark in purple skies. You flicker in old old motels and sparkle in unemployment lines. You shine over fields where shepherds wait and glimmer in a young mother's eyes. Uncontainable and free, you grace every human, every soul, every being with your spark, anointing each with the mark of the beloved, inviting each to the table where all are welcome and all are kin. You have made peace. Come, Lord Jesus, and make us peace as well. In your name we pray. Amen. And now, if you would, let's pass the peace of Christ to one another this morning.
1: Good morning. All right. You all sound very uh, alert and responsive this morning. You're in you're in good condition for our next moment of worship. Um, in the children's Sunday schools, where we call them the atria here, uh, we are learning during the season of Advent that this is a time of preparation, where we are waiting for the coming of the Christ child as a little baby. And we are also awaiting parousia, the return of Jesus, and the return of the kingdom where God will make all in all. And because for that, because of that, we are focusing, and I share with you this morning, our Messiah prophecies, the special prayer cards that we discuss in our atria and we use during our prayer time and here we have another one this week i invite you as we go through this um, moment uh, when i ask a question um, you can answer out loud or in your mind or in your heart or you can write it down on paper all of these things are fine um, but out loud is also appreciated um, whether you are a child or um, my age or or any age you can just talk it's fine. Um, So, we come again to the Messiah prophecies. And so in the unfolding of God's plan to bring all people and all creation into the fullness of life that is God's kingdom, God prepares his people to recognize and welcome the greatest gift of Jesus by giving special clues to people called the prophets, who listened to God with their whole heart and then shared the word with others. And so we enter this time of Advent as we, along with the church all over the world, prepare and wait to celebrate the feast of Christmas, the birth of Jesus. Long before Jesus was born, people were waiting for something special to come from God. God wanted to give his people a gift the gift of Jesus. One of the people who heard from God, a prophet, was Isaiah. He lived hundreds of years before Jesus was born, and God gave his secret to Isaiah, and he told Isaiah that the one to come would be a child with many names. Curious names, let's listen to those names. Here in Isaiah, we read, for unto us a child is born, to us a son is given. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Who was this child? Who was this child? Jesus. Yes, we know him as Jesus, the good shepherd and the great light. But here we hear that Jesus is a baby who is also a ruler. Can someone be very small and very ordinary and also very great? And very extraordinary? Hmm. What is this wonderful collection of names? Today, what is what is your favorite name of the names we read from Isaiah? Do you have a favorite just for today? Doesn't have to be for all time. Just for today. Mine's the Prince of Peace. Some of of the children in my Sunday school told me that was their second favorite this morning. Do you have a second favorite name too? Do you have a favorite name? No? Is there one that you like? Which one? Mary, what about the names of Jesus? (laughs) Mary's good name. What about Wonderful Counselors? Anybody like that name best? Yeah, you like that one? How about Mighty God? Mighty God. Oh, we like that one too, huh? Everlasting Father? That's a curious name. You like that one? How can a baby be Everlasting Father? What do you think, Julia? because he's always the king. Yeah, yeah. You know, I wonder, I wonder what these names tell us about Jesus and who Jesus would be. Jesus as the little child like all others, and also unlike any other children we know. Such strange and wonderful names for a baby. Now I invite you, the end of this presentation, our prayer card will be here on the altar table throughout worship and I invite you to look at it and ponder it. Maybe you can take some time to pick out a name, figure out why you like that one today. Why is that name of God calling you? What are these names telling you about who Jesus is? I also invite you to respond through song. Um, Aaron Austin is going to come up, and we are going to sing a song that we sing often in the atria, both during Advent and any time throughout the year. It is one of our favorites, and so we are excited to teach it to you today.
0: You'll find the words printed in your bulletins. I'll sing it through once, and then invite you to sing along as well.
3: The Lord is my shepherd. I'll walk with him always. He knows me and he loves me. I'll walk with him.
4: Hebrew scriptures this morning come from Isaiah. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and will not be afraid, for the Lord is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name. Make known his deeds among the nations. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be known in all the earth. Shout aloud and sing for joy, O royal Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. For the word of God That works its way into us. Thanks Thanks be to God. God.
2: Let's pray together, please. Dear God, we have many names, many ideas, many ways which Jesus intersects with our lives, intersects with our hearts, intersects with our living, intersects with our faith. But in whatever ways that we intersect with Jesus, we pray this morning, God, that his presence will be keen and dear to us today, and then we can think more deeply and feel more deeply and worship more deeply the one who was the Rose of Sharon. In Christ's name I pray.
5: As you are able, now invite you to stand for the hearing of the gospel lesson today found in Luke chapter 1, beginning in the 68th verse, a passage, a scripture known as the Song of Zechariah, or in Latin, the Benedictus. Listen. Blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a mighty savior for us in the house of his servant, David, as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets of old. That we would be saved from our enemies. And from the hand of all who hate us. Thus, he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors. And has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor, Abraham. To grant us that we, being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear. In holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the Most High. For you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways. To give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins. By the tender mercy of our God. The dawn from high will break upon us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. To guide our feet into the way of peace. For the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. You may be seated. Can you remember times in your life when you could not hear good news? People were speaking to you, words of hope, but you couldn't hear them, believe them, or accept them. Maybe the conditions and circumstances of your life had turned bleak and hopeless. So much so that any positive message or promise of hope Seemed unrealistic and just too much wishful thinking. Bruised by life's cruel twists and turns, you found yourself beat down and brought low. Others tried to pick you up, but the burdens were too heavy. The pain was too raw. The future possibilities Too far away. Can you remember such a time like that in your life? Perhaps you're going through a similar time like that now. In 2004, the year of my divorce, my friends would tell me, It'll be okay, it will all work out. I might meet someone new. I said, Have you looked at me lately? I could start afresh. Really? A new beginning? I could not believe their optimism. If it wasn't for the words of the internet, I, might have been a- I may not have been able to inherit their promises. Y'all can figure that out. But their, wor- their words did not ring true to me. They could offer as many reassuring comments as they could tolerate, but I couldn't hear it. It seemed too impossible to believe the trials too immediate, the anxiety too fresh to actually hear good news. It is from this perspective I encounter this outpouring of joyful praise from Zechariah. First, a little background. Zechariah is the father of John the Baptist, who becomes the forerunner for preparing the way of the words and ministry of Jesus. In Islamic tradition, Zechariah, John the Baptist, and Jesus together form a new unfolding of the prophetic tradition. Zechariah was the descendant of Aaron, the brother to Moses. And therefore, by birth, a member of the priestly caste. Along with Elizabeth, his wife, they had spent the bulk of their time in faithfulness to God and serving God's people. But they never had had children of their own. How did they feel, I wonder, living in those times of shortened life expectancy And ancient hardships. A time when medical care was undergirded by superstition and strange practices. Where the worth of one's life, especially for a woman, was heavily invested in the birth, care, and raising of children. I think a few of you might be able to appreciate that sort of life. Those of you that have lived through hardship. Perhaps children of the Depression, where everything always was recycled. I once ministered to a woman who reached the age of 106. Every time I visited her, she would have a baked good that was wrapped in an old cereal wax container. You didn't throw anything out when you made it through the Depression. And some of you, through harsh backgrounds and difficult experiences, some perhaps in even different countries, know what it might be like to suffer the basics of food, water, shelter, and protection from the elements of nature. And I'll leave it to the philosophers and the sociologists, on which is a more compelling form of existence, daily toil and suffering, or modern conveniences. But I doubt many of us would take any switch of circumstance with any of them. And in this shelter of nothing more than the Almighty, Zachariah and Elizabeth have been blessed. Working through what we would call today a geriatric pregnancy. Their first and only child, John. John. Was born a son. When Zechariah learned that Elizabeth, his wife, was expecting, he was so shocked that he was struck mute by an angel and could not speak for the whole length of the pregnancy. If you're married or have a committed partner, praying for this kind of miracle may sound biblical. Biblical. Especially if your husband is a preacher, you might enjoy a little peace and quiet. And if you want to know how serious Luke is about the witness of women, just read the passage immediately before Zachariah's pronouncement that we elevate and worship today. For remember he struck mute, he cannot speak, and it's the Eighth day, the time of dedication for the naming of the child and the celebration of the community of this new life amongst them. They ask Elizabeth, the mother, what shall be his name? And she says, call him John. And the community looks around and folds their arms and puts their nose in the air and says, there's no one from your family named John. Can't call him John. John. And then they look over at the mute Zechariah. And finally, he says, give me something to write upon motioning because he can't speak. And he writes, his name will be John. And the Lord loosened his tongue. Listening to the witness of women has always found biblically fruitful. As we will learn later with the resurrection, when the women are the first to herald the good news, that life has come from the tomb. Someone has said that one of the messages of Advent. Is the importance of listening to a woman about her sexual history. When the Virgin Mary. Is not believed. And then. Zachariah. Finally able to speak. Has all these words come gushing out. A proclamation of joy. The first words he can speak after many months of silence. Bursting forth of John's ceremonial dedication on this, his eighth day. Eight. Important. This number. Eight. A symbol of a new week. A second chance. A fresh start. God doing something incredibly, wonderfully, unexpectedly new and it's good news of the Lord preparing a new way and a person to forge it, offering a deeper knowledge and revelation of God's salvation, a means of, of forgiveness of sins through the tender mercy of God, like the warming of the sun, breaking up on a winter's frosty morning, the dawn from on high will bust out over our heads and there will be a new light for all of us who have made our home in darkness and the shadow of death. This new light will guide our feet upon the path known as peace. How beautiful. And how unlikely. in the Christmas movie, a holiday classic, really, Dumb and Dumber. Jim Carrey and Jeff Daniels play two best friends who travel across the country to return what they believed to be lost property to a person named Mary that is also Carrie's love interest in the film. After catching up to her, his character, Lloyd Christmas, I told you this was a holiday flick. So said, I want to ask you a question. Flat out, I want you to give me the honest answer. What do you think the chances are of a guy like you and a girl like me ending up together? Yes, I quoted that correctly. He's a little nervous. The title is Dumb and Dumber. Mary replied, well, Lloyd, that's difficult to say. We really don't. And he jumps right in. Just hit me with it. Give it to me straight. I came a long way just to see you, Mary. The least you can do is level with me. What are my chances? Well, not good. She scoffs. The music stops. There's tension now in the script. Lloyd, Christmas... Jim Carrey says, you mean not good like one out of a hundred? Mary replies, I'd say more like one out of a million. And Jim Carrey, with that ability to contort his face, as only Jim Carrey can do, wills turning in his mind, trying to process the information of this person possibility of 1 in a million says so you're telling me there's a chance <laughs> yeah this is the good news the gospel in a nutshell god loves this world and all who live within it with a fierce radicality it is a love so intense That it can appear to us as judgment. A judgment we offer because God allows humans, the ones God loves, far more freedom than we can tolerate them to exercise. A judgment so profound because God is capable of loving many of the others we cannot. To embrace those we deem unworthy. To include those we would rather avoid. To redeem those we have long decided are past redemption and incapable of any lasting rescue. And God will proclaim this message of such fierce love in humility and intimacy and reserve power. God will not force you to receive a message of hope. That will lead you on the way of peace, but God invites you patiently, kindly, humbly to be a part of this salvation story. This is exactly the sort of good news we're not capable of hearing. News we cannot accept because it's not blaring at us at full volume, a message we cannot accept. Because if we really wrestled with it, it just feels too impossible to actually be true. To fully embrace it would mean a great deal from us. Those of us so world weary with cynicism. The risk is so high for us to live with reckless abandon. People might judge us as being hopeless Idiots. Dumb and dumber. To take stock of such an impossible message. So back to the text we go. Back to this great proclamation of good news. Verse 68 in our Bibles, the verb used for the reading at the top of the line in your bulletin that says... God, look favorably upon us. And in verse 78, at the bottom of your bulletin, mentioning that dawn on high has come upon us, has broken upon our heads. Well, it's a complicated Greek word allowing these multiple shades of meaning. In summary, it means to visit, to inspect, to examine with one's own eyes and check upon the condition of something. That God is looking favorably upon us. God is visiting us. God wants to see us with God's own eyes. It's the same word Luke will employ again in the middle of chapter 7 when Jesus is in the city of Nan and ministers to a grieving mother walking in a funeral procession soon to bury her only son. She is also a widow. And with the town around her also grieving of this loss, we learn that Jesus visits her. He has compassion upon her. He looks upon her. And he raises her son from the dead. A one in a million chance. A one in a billion chance. A one in a trillion chance. And the New Revised Standard Version repeats the same language we heard from Zechariah. God has looked favorably upon God's people. God has checked in to see how we're doing. God visits us in our trials. This one in a trillion chance meant for every one in a trillion of us. We don't encounter that Greek word again in the Gospel of Luke, but in his sequel, the book of Acts, once again we find this word of favor in the most unlikely of visits. God willing to visit the Gentiles with the missionary visits of the Apostle Paul. God is spreading God's favor to the entire world. God has looked favorably upon us, favorably upon this child who prepares the way for this Lord, Savior, Mighty Counselor, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, coming to us to see our condition. God's own eyes checking up see how we're doing, to inquire about our welfare, to offer kindness and mercy out of the depths we truly don't deserve, not always on our schedule, but present, ready, pregnant, expectantly, to offer new life, to suggest that if we will just stop going our hell-bent path, And live more fully into God's more merciful, forgiving, and loving way. We too can find the joy that God intends for us all. That's the message John the Baptist prepares. Repent and believe. Turn from the old ways that are doing you no good whatsoever. And believe in this new way, no matter how likely it may seem. For Jesus has come into the world, and God's on the scene, offering us hope and forgiveness and salvation. God has visited us and looked favorably upon us. This, the blessing of Zechariah. Now I invite you in advent hope in peace and expectation as we stand to sing, O Lord, how shall I meet you? Hymn 104, as you consider the ways in which you too may reach the hand of the hand reaching for you, taking hold of the goodness God has promised. Let us stand and sing. The second Sunday of Advent, one step closer to this glorious month of season celebrations, busyness, and fears of snow. Have you checked your friends in North Carolina and a little further south? Many of them did not have church service today, they had a lot of snow, and we avoided it this time, but who knows what the month and season has in store for us. So in the meantime, while you're ambulatory, I invite you to keep going. Keep at it. Don't slow down. Next Sunday, we are looking forward to our children's presentation. Uh, We're looking forward to what you guys have worked so hard on. And that's going to be a fantastic day together. And you'll want to be a part of that, followed then by our Lessons and Carol service um, on the fourth Sunday of Advent Christmas Eve service at 6 p.m. Um, we are moving through this season with joy and hope and God's love. As you leave today, I would invite you to visit the sign-up table. Uh, At the sign-up table, there are many important things for you to pick up. One would be the packet for business meeting that occurs this Wednesday night. If you'd like to have that packet early, uh, grab that on your way out. It's on the Sign-up table also for those of you that aren't receiving the weekly Advent email devotions written by uh, so many great folks here in the church. Uh, there are printed copies on that sign-up table. If you need last week's, you'll need to go into the office. They're lo- they're located there, um, and it's oh in the pencil tree. Uh, the pencil tree is a way in which we help support the uh, ministry and work of our child care center, where you can buy something for classrooms. And that Christmas tree with the pencils is next to the sign-up table. If you want to grab an item, that's listed there by taking the uh, pencil ornament and then shopping for that and returning that. We'll make sure the child care receives it. Uh, It's today, right? Uh, Okay, so 2 o'clock, we have, uh, and this is a great segue into something else I can say, but at 2 o'clock, Mark DiAlba and the Organ Guild will have an organ recital, And so we'll try to get out of here so you can get ready for that, Mark. Um, But if you haven't read today's devotional uh, for Advent, uh, written by Dennis Johnson, I'm going to pick on you, Dennis. I'm sure you're not too embarrassed for that. Dennis is a retired American Baptist pastor who served a church in West Virginia that happened to be the first church that had this organ as as its first organ in 1921? 19... 25. thank you. In 1925, uh, the church that he later pastored had the Skinner organ, the 1923 I believe Skinner organ, am I right on that? The organ is 19... That's 1925. The organ is 1925. So this was a brand new Fred Osh uh, showcase organ at the church in um, Charleston, West Virginia, that, uh, the Baptist temple there that he served. And then heard the story, heard that it was then eventually at Central Baptist Church Lexington, Later in life, moved here, and now here's this organ that was a part of the church that he once served. This organ's following you around, or you're following it around. I'm not sure how that works out. Amazing story of uh, the heritage of this congregation and telling with the heritage of life. Um, pretty neat story. Read that. It's in the devotional today, as well as all the other devotionals. Am I forgetting anything else? Let's read together the benediction you'll find on the back of your bulletin. A prayer we are asking for you to offer not only this day, but perhaps each day as you prepare for the coming again of the Christ child. Let us pray. Lord, may we live simply, justly, and devoutly as we await the appearing in glory of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. He gave himself for us and so set us apart to be empowered to be his own people, doing his ongoing work in the world, for he lives in us forever, and the community of grace he established will never, ever end. In the name of the triune God. Amen.